you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL podcast has its swagger back. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We don't have our swagger back. We don't have our host, but I'm Greg Rosenthal alongside Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and Colleen Wolf. What's going on? What's up? Hi, Greg. How are you? How are all of you? I think it's good Wes doesn't get the first, like, hey, hey, Greg, you know, since it's a different kind of feel tonight. Dan, of course, is with his family at a big-time family reunion in oh, New wow. Jersey. But, of course, because you know, that's definitely where you'd be on Football Sunday. Well, you know, they're, they're not going to schedule it around our or, schedule. No, good. Families come first in our corporation. And I, you know, I'm going to look at the positive. We're going to miss Dan, uh, but we don't have to talk about the Jets this week. They're on good. a bye. Mm-hmm. He's good. not here. And we've got Colleen Wolf for the whole show. Wow. Major positive. Yeah. Right? I, I apologize ahead of time. My notes are like beautiful mind style. TD mm. already yelled at me for you, tidying yeah. up the You got paper. swiftly chastised for having a messy so, desk. I don't really know what's going to happen here. That was a little weird, TD, that you would talk to our <laughs> guest that way right off the top. Like, like give her a bad feel. We want to be welcoming right. to our guest. I tried to deliver the message nice. It was a simple, hey, Colleen, could you just tidy up your papers a little bit? That's yeah, all it gonna, was. This is your tombstone right now. That's what gonna, it's going to read on your tombstone. <laughs> TD was here. He bossed around Colleen. Uh, big right. week five. It was a fun day. I think the early set of games was the the best early set of games we had all season. A lot of close games. Um, And we have a lot to get to on the show. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to talk about all the undefeated teams keep winning. The Bengals, with a big win, go to 5-0 and take care of the Seahawks. Huge comeback there. We're going to get to your Browns, Mark Sessler. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, big, big win today. Were you expecting that? Well, no, I was not. I mean, you know, they've not looked like they were prepared to do that, but they're not playing a great team. You know, I don't think the Ravens get on too much credit. So we'll get to that eventually. We're also going to talk Sunday night football, not exactly a barn burner, uh, 49ers and Giants. So we're going to get into all of that 
uh, through the show. But I, I think let's just get to the games and let's talk a little Lions and Cardinals right off the top. And, and we're starting with this game. Maybe it's a weird choice because two major things happened. The team of ATL was playing in it and delivered a strong message. And Jim Caldwell also delivered a message benching Matthew Stafford in the middle of the game. Chris Wesseling, tell us about it. Uh, Caldwell compared to a pitcher who just doesn't have his best stuff that day. You take him out, you go back, and in five more days, he goes out there and starts another game. Stafford will be back under center, but there's no denying he's regressed since Joe Lombardi took over his offensive coordinator. He has eight interceptions this year. He had only 12 all of last year. And he looks he looks like he's got happy feet. He's got that thousand-yard stare against the blitz. Mm. He's, he looks clearly like the, the pressure is getting to him behind an offensive line. He's probably developed some bad habits. Yeah, he's now eight straight games with fewer than 300 yards passing. He's never done that in his career. There's never been a stretch like that. And you start to question what the problem is because they have all these weapons. And I know we've had this conversation before, but the more and more you watch him and the more and more he breaks down, the more I question where it's coming from. I mean, with Stafford's been doing this zany stuff for years. It's not like this is a new <laughs> version of him from that angle. I mean, he took 11 quarterback hits today. That mm-hmm. line is culpable for part of what's going on. But even behind better versions of this line, Stafford has done mind-boggling stuff from game to game. Well, I, it's been constant all year that they're not picking up free blitzers. They're struggling one-on-one. But that's largely on – that's partly at least on Matthew Stafford. That He has no idea how to solve a blitz. I mean, we've seen with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady over the years, not taking sacks is a quarterback skill. The offensive line, for whatever reason, still – seems to take the blame nationally when this happens, but ultimately it's on Stafford and the coaches to figure something out. It is. It's on that Stafford-Lombardi team that's mm. not getting it done and it seems to get worse by the week. I think something like this and then the Dolphins' troubles where you know now Albert Breer's notebook, he's pointing out that they're now no longer as invested in riding Tannehill in Miami. I think when you see Stafford benched and you see Tannehill like struggling – you appreciate more Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, who go 15 years without ever any kind of quarterback controversy. But what, are, what are they going to do? Well, maybe Jay Cutler isn't the only coach killer in this division. Maybe Jay Cutler should go quarterback the Lions. I think What's they the might difference? be better. No, they're pretty similar. Yeah, Matt yeah. Stafford, the three picks today, but you got to give credit to the Cardinals' defense, too, because they have been on fire. They have, I think, three pick sixes and there were like a ton of teams coming into this week that didn't even have three interceptions, three defenses. So you have to look at sort of what the Cardinals are able to do. And Chris Johnson, my God, the way that they're able to run the ball with him, he was he great. like 9.2 yards per carry today. He's entrenched. Andre Ellington comes back and doesn't see a carry till the third quarter. Oh, my God. David gosh. Johnson's the third down back. Chris Johnson is too valuable to take off the field. He's running like the last four years never happened. Well, part of the reason I want to put this game first, I think the Stafford news is a huge, memorable moment. I, I think he's always gotten too much credit. For instance, for him versus Jay Cutler, what's the difference? He's just younger and people have gotten less, you know, aren't as tired. Now they're getting tired of Stafford. But the other reason why, I want to hear Chris Wesseling honk about how great these Cardinals are. Team of ATL, you know, they took a beat down, or they took a loss the first game we had them. But here uh, they bounce back. Ah, my takeaway is the same as it was last week in a loss. They're the most complete team in the NFL. I'm waiting for someone, anyone, to point out a weakness on their team. I think this is an Mm. examination in coaching, these two teams, too, because you look at the talent that Detroit has, and it's not that much different than what Arizona has. Mm. But Arizona is one of the most complete, 
coach teams, and it's been going on for more than just this season. Arians is the man. James Betcher, is that the defense coordinator? Yes. He said in the offseason, Arians, this guy will keep this defense rolling. Forget about Todd Bowles. This will be a great transition, and it has been. It's, it, it's the most opportunistic defense right there with the Broncos this year. I mean, they had six takeaways today mm. and stifled the Lions' offense. They fly to the ball on defense. And in an offense, you've got guys like Andre Ellington and Michael Floyd who are basically insurance policies. So the Cardinals stay on top of the NFC West. And your Cincinnati Bengals, Chris Wesseling, stay on top mm. of the AFC North. I guess we knew that coming into the week. But the Bengals... Seahawks, to me, was the game I was looking forward to most on Sunday. And for the Bengals to fall behind 17 points in that game in the second half, rip off 17 points in the fourth quarter, and win it in overtime, to me, that is the statement game of the day, the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe the statement game of their franchise history. Whoa! I'm not even kidding. I, I've watched this team long enough to when they were down by 17, it didn't surprise me. Crumbling again because that's what they always do. I don't recognize these Bengals. It's like nothing I've <laughs> right? seen. It, they have a backbone. Like even when they were Super Bowl teams in 81 and 88, their defense wasn't that great. They were always heavy on offense. And to shut down Seattle in the fourth quarter while they're scoring 17, this is something the Cincinnati Bengals don't do. Are you getting excited about the Bengals? No, I just, Ooh, yeah. I'm not excited at all. I just think I should give them proper credit and acknowledge that this is different. Well, you mentioned before the season that you were, you know, some little heart fluttering about this Bengals team just a little bit. You were open to it. And I, now they've coming out and they're 5-0 and and everything about them is fantastic. I have an affinity for their 70s and 80s teams that I researched, but I will never go back. I just well, can't. It's Hold about on. me. <laughs> That's, that is fair. It, we, Chris, your P level at this point, though. Oh, it's very high. I because, mean, what, give like us I a said, number. This isn't, this isn't a Bengals team that I recognize. I was always confident. I remember a couple years back when they played the Chargers in the playoffs, and I was like, no, they're going to lose. They're not allowed to have nice things. For new, for new listeners or viewers on NFL Now, of course, the P level refers to Dan <laughs> Hansis's, um scientific sabermetric advanced uh, statistic of, you know, from 1 to 10 – how likely would it be, uh, is the peak, you know, coming into your pants on the Bengals possibly losing in that first Saturday of the playoffs, which is called Westivus, named after Chris Wesley. It's my favorite holiday of the year, their annual loss. Now I think it's probably likely to happen after their bye week in the playoffs. They'll just, oh, lose. They'll just wow. lose that week. Oh. Also, Giovanni Bernard, too. I mean, he's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. He is, it looks like he's definitely in front of Jeremy Hill now because coming into this game, he was averaging 5.5 yards per carry on 54 totes, and then you had Jeremy Hill, which was only 3.3 on 50, so they had the same workload, but Gio has just been producing He's, way more. Jeremy Hill looks slower this year, and Gio Bernard looks better than last year, well, that, so they're playing the better players. That is players. concerning, yeah. though, because Hill seemed like the guy that they were going to ride deep into winter in Ohio, because that's what they did last year with him. God, What's going on with the guy, though? If he if he's not in, like, pristine football shape, he's got a couple of months to get there. Well, he, he had carries early in the game. He wasn't that effective. And the thing that really blew me away 
by the from the Bengals during this comeback was it wasn't all Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton played very well to start the game. Really played a great first half until he was picked off in the end zone at the end of the second quarter. Then the offense went away, but they came back with all facets. And the most impressive thing I saw them do was run the ball straight at Seattle with Gio Bernard in the fourth quarter. You don't normally see that for a team that's trailing, but that was really their comeback. It started, though, with my guy Adam Jones. I mean, they're down 17 points, and Pac-Man takes a big punt return back. Gio Bernard sets up a touchdown. Andy Dalton you know, moves the offense very nicely, especially at the end of the game. He had one beautiful pass to set up uh, a game-tying field goal to go to overtime. So it was a little bit of every everything for this team. It wasn't just Dalton. It was also the defense holding Seattle to only three first downs on their last six drives. And I got to wow. wonder, Russell Wilson didn't do much at the end of this game. He had an interception in the red zone in the second half. They scored two touchdowns. Uh, one was a long run by Thomas Rawls, who played great, and the other was a defensive touchdown. And Wilson didn't really do anything. At what point are we concerned about these Seattle fourth-quarter collapses? It keeps happening. Yeah, and you wrote in your article that they really didn't miss Marshawn Lynch either, and you're right. No, I, mean, I didn't think so. I mean, obviously it'd be better, but they, they, that wasn't the problem. 169 Thomas, yards. Thomas yeah. Rolls have more yards today than Marshawn Lynch has ever had in any game. That was the Seahawks' first <laughs> rushing touchdown of the year. Wow. Lou Rawls. But they're not in sync, though. For, I mean, yeah, that's nice that the, the rookie did that. But this is the this is the how many weeks in a row are we going to wait for Seattle to get their offense unhooked? I mean, it's it's happening week after week at this point. They had they had some moments in this game. Russell Wilson played well. I thought the off- offensive line, for the most part, played well. But it, at the end of the game, when it mattered, I mean, they had two chances in overtime just to get a field goal. They can't get a field goal in the fourth quarter. They just it totally stagnated. And at that point, that's where the deep Bengals. Uh, defensive line took over. But if you look at what Seattle's done since the Super Bowl, I mean, they blew a huge, a, a two-touchdown lead, you know, 10-point lead in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. They uh, lost to the Rams. Of course, that was overtime. really wasn't about the fourth quarter. They were shut out in the fourth quarter and lost that game to the Packers. They were terrible in the fourth quarter against Detroit. And then in this game, they blow a big lead in the fourth quarter. They're a team that can't close, and it's supposed to be a great defense. Isn't it on your defense to close? That's a major concern. And the fact that the offense, too, just they're not producing as much. Jimmy Graham is obviously not a a big part as maybe they thought he was going to be. And Mm. that offensive line, it's good that they're playing better, but that's been a problem all season. That that gets me thinking. I was watching this game, and I was thinking, well, who's the better tight end, Jimmy Graham or Tyler Eifert? Well, wait, all right, but does it boil down to, because this is the second key player that the Seahawks have traded for, that Daryl Bevels had trouble using. Happened okay, with Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin goes to Buffalo and he's playing better. And with Jimmy Graham, we heard all week that they're trying to turn him into a blocker. He's not a blocker. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's three catches for 30 yards. Again, it's another week where they're not in sync. It's interesting that the opposite happens on their defense. They bring anyone in mm. and they integrate them on defense and feature their strengths. And on offense, they do the opposite. Well, that's maybe the risk when you have, you know, a head coach that maybe can't solve the offense as much. I mean, they've been so good on defense that it almost hasn't mattered. But when I was watching this game, and Eifert was a huge factor when you guys rewatched this during the week, to me, he's the difference in this Bengals offense. The, the two difference is Andy Dalton going deep and just being a different quarterback that way. And that's, that's, that's number one. But number two is Tyler Eifert. I mean, he, he's a huge difference. Two touchdowns today he had. Should everyone start using the J.J. Watt elbow brace now? Mm, what is that? Is that what Tyler Tyler Eifert Eifert's got that, yeah. And well, when you have a tight end that can do what he does, it forces the defense to stay honest. You can't put everyone 
down deep with A.J. Green. I mean, Marvin Jones coming back, too. That gives you two players that were not this kind of a factor a season ago for Cincinnati. So there, the Bengals remain undefeated. The Seahawks in a little bit of trouble, down two games in the NFC West. Two and, that's two that's and true. They are in a little bit of trouble, but you could also look at it as they went in today. They're not even a, a good road team traditionally. They go in and they yep. barely lose to an undefeated team. That's fair. Another team that barely won that was undefeated, the Atlanta Falcons. Took care of business at home, 25-19 against the Redskins. Mark Sessler watched this game very closely. Did a pick six in overtime by Kirk Cousins. You know, somewhat dim your Kirk Cousins love. Well, it I mean, it's a it's a burgeoning love that you. Yeah, I don't know if love is the word, <laughs> but um, yeah, I you know I think Kirk Cousins is sort of a week to week operation where I came away from last week really liking what I saw, and in this game, it's it's what's haunted him from the start. The turnovers, at which were absolutely a killer today, and sandwiched what was at the end when he brought the Redskins back to create overtime. A masterful drive where he just showed better command mm. of the offense than you're ever going to see from Robert Griffin. And so there's things to like, but he's still very much a developmental quarterback at this point, I think. Or he is what he is, he's a, and he's going to be turnover prone. He's a different kind of bad quarterback. Pick your poison. Do you want the guy with back-breaking turnovers, or do you want the guy who can't move an offense? <laughs> he's the back-breaking turnover guy. And he's done it two weeks in a row now because he did it right off of um, the Eagles as well. Yeah. Then you have mm-hmm. um, a ton of stuff that happened in this game as far as the Washington secondary they were down two of their top corners, right. Chris Culver and D'Angelo Hall. They were the story of the game because, you know, when this was looking like Washington was just going to take this thing early on, it, their secondary held, shut out Julio Jones in the first half. Julio Jones was not healthy necessarily in this game, but they absolutely closed down on the passing attack, and I thought they did a found, an ex- excellent job. But you just can't hold that offense down for that long, and Devonta Freeman got unhooked. He had a huge day. Mm. More Kyle Shanahan love from you, Mark, please. I love Shanahan because I think if we want to, you know, Hugh Jackson is probably one of the best play callers in the league, and that's a big reason why since he's doing what they're doing. But Shanahan and what he's done with this offensive line and the way that the running backs are responding and what it means for their passing game, I honestly feel like he is the key to what's happened in, in Atlanta. It's, it's so impressive that for years we saw this offensive line couldn't block anyone. Pass block, run block, anything. Mm. And now Freeman's rolling up 170 yards every game. I think the bigger factor is the schedule makers giving him the entire NFC East right out of the gates. Which they just swept. They're 4-0. They just won the NFC East. It's over. (laughs) No one's going to get more than four wins in that division. Well, it's impossible, actually. I think their next, over their next six games, they only face one team with a winning record. So they've they've beaten the NFC East. They've beat the Texans. So they're 5-0, and oh, and yet each one of these games is absolutely, you know, almost well, every one of them. up until today, they gave up 20 points in every one of those games. And, and they're all crazy endings. When you're watching this, did you kind of think, yeah, this isn't really a Well, a you know, because our team. job is to go and write these, and you kind of build your narrative as, as it's closing down towards the end. And the thing <laughs> changed like 17 times, so I was pulling my hair out because it's like, how do you describe what just happened? And part of it is that I think they're both... On, lo- on one level, they're incomplete teams as well. I don't think that the Falcons are mm. an essential 5-0 and type team. Well, maybe but... don't write before the end of the game, Mark. Well, it's due two minutes after the game. I don't so do I, it. You know, I'm wait. not a Just robot. I, I like to get my stuff together. And I mean, it was an exciting game, though. I mean, one of the better that we've seen all season. It seemed like a game where the Falcons were determined to blow up the, you know, the missed field goals. 
I remember the play just I happened to look up, and Matt Ryan had a wide-open 40-yard touchdown to Leonard Hankerson, and he just sailed it, and then they missed he the misses. field goal right after that. He, he had a fumble a lot in the of red throws zone, right? for yeah. a great quarterback. Yeah. He really isn't playing that great this I season. I love. I'm a huge Matt Ryan uh, guy, and I, I've been saying I think this is the year he's going to jump to the top five. I think overall, and this just shows what the team around you, what the difference is. Yep. I don't think he's any better this year than he was last year. I think he was fantastic last year. I think he's had a, he has a running game for the first time in years, and it's legit. And Freeman, I mean, he's eight touchdowns mm. on the season already. And the Redskins, which have a pretty good defensive front, had no answer for him down the stretch. Yeah, the Redskins hadn't allowed an individual rusher 55 yards, over 55 yards, until this week with Freeman. Would you rather have Matt Ryan or Cam Newton, Colleen Wolf? I'm just putting on, putting on your GM hat. <laughs> well, well, you're wearing, you know, that's the sweatshirt that all uh, NFL GMs right. wear. I matched if you're the background in here, now. so that's good. Um, no, I would go with Cam Newton because I think if you put him maybe mm. in a different offense with you surround him with some better weapons, then I think his ceiling might be a little bit higher mm. than Matt Ryan's. Mm. I like maybe. it. See, for that kind of analysis. That was on the spot. No, guys. I know. That's I didn't really have a lot to I just want to, I like to put you on the spot. You know, you're you're in a different role. I'm like, I'm hot now. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sweating. <laughs> you, know, you, you spend the day on Sundays, of course, on NFL Sunday Blitz. Mm-hmm. On game NFL day. Now. Yeah, NFL game, game day Blitz. Game day Blitz. And that's on from 10 to 4 in Pacific. Or if you want to get weird about it in the Eastern, it could be like 1 to 7.30. Right, like yeah. That. You can check that out on NFL Now. We're there all day. And you're on NFL Now throughout the week. I just, yeah. you know, thought, thought we would throw that in there. A fine nice plug on your plug. Part. Thank you. Um, Colleen, let's, since, since we're talking about you, and you really are the centerpiece of this show in so <laughs> many ways, let's talk right. about your Philadelphia Eagles. We've been waiting for yeah. the Eagles offense to get on track. 39 to 17. They basically ended Sean Payton's career in New Orleans. No, I'm just. That's, <laughs> oh, I don't think you're wrong. That's overstating no. it a little bit, but a blowout, an embarrassing loss for the Saints. Was it a bigger deal for the Eagles to get this kind of win or a bigger deal for the Saints to have that bad a loss? That's tough because going into the game, both teams, one and three, both sort of felt like their, their seasons were in a tailspin, but. I think that there was so much pressure on Chip Kelly and the Eagles because the expectations were so much higher than the Saints. Sam Bradford, again, he had this awful first half, and then they were able to adjust, and he came back and played better. But he threw two red zone interceptions and was the first quarterback in the league Mm. at this point to throw two red zone interceptions in the same game. That was bad. And they won 39 <laughs> to 17. Yeah. Also, the the interesting thing here was you look at the box score and you see DeMarco Murray had some great stats, some high numbers, but a lot of that came in junk time and Ryan Matthews was actually the more featured back in this. And a key play came, um, it was a relatively close game still, and it was first and goal at the two, and they gave it to Ryan Matthews. Mm. And that really, I think, told a story to Yeah, me. I mean, can we just at this point all agree that Ryan Matthews is the better fit for this, this ground game? Yes. He is. And yes. I mean, I think that even in the summer, there were people close to the team saying that. And now we're seeing it week to week. I'd like to make a motion to change garbage time officially to junk time. Junk time. time. <laughs> I like. Sponsored by Sanford and Son. We need more junk yes. in our lives. It, it junk was, time. It was not good. Also, um, there was a play that uh, Sam Bradford threw a touchdown to Josh Huff, and you tweeted about it. Two Saints defenders just like 
smacked right, right into each other. That was pretty much the play that turned the Eagles season around. Just football <laughs> follies, two Saints defenders, like bonk heads, fall down. Well, and so the Eagles get a big run after the catch. And it was another game where, and I think that you're right, Greg, about Sean Payton. It's another game where we saw Payton, you know, quietly squaring off with Rob Ryan yes. on the sideline. And mm. Connor Orr, who wrote up the game, had this line that I love. He called it, the game had the look and feel of a Zeppelin rapidly falling to earth. Sounds like a, a line out of the Sessler repertoire. Well, I mean, it, it seems accurate, though, because what is, if you're a Saints fan after many fun seasons, you know, over the past decade plus, what a disaster this team is right now. What is your hopeful takeaway? What do they do well? I think the their end-of-the-year video for NFL Films will be the two defenders crashing into each other. <laughs> yeah, and Fletcher Cox, like uh, he just blew up Drew Brees. On cue with the, with mean, the highlights there. Wow, wow look at it. that. He's a pro. Three sacks, two fumble recoveries. He had a great game. But Drew Brees and this offense, you can really tell how much they miss Jimmy Graham. Well, because, I mean, just the, the, the fact that that's sort of a Jenga piece that Shaq always They missed 2012 altogether. They, they miss <laughs> a lot. Everything about it. They miss, even 2013 when they won a playoff game in Philadelphia, this offense has really not been blamed for this start because the defense is such a tire fire. And that's fair. The defense is arguably the worst in the league. But the offense is 30 40% worse than it used to be. You could see it in the Dallas game, even with Drew Brees back. They're not going up and down the field. Willie Sneed is their number two <laughs> receiver. They have great running backs, yet the, the running game's not really that consistent. It's it's just a dim version of what they used to be on offense. Right. And there's not big plays. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a big play offense. There's not big plays. And look at Spiller, two yards on six touches. I think part of it is that what we wrote about and heard about the Saints in the offseason was, oh, this late period Drew Brees is going to be surrounded by a, right, a Dallas Cowboys clock-chewing offense. And that sounds great in May. But then they aren't able to get it done. They just cannot get it done. And your and your defense is on the field. Right. I mean, the Eagles gave up. The Eagles had 300 yards in the first half, and it was it wasn't a blowout at the time. But they had 300 yards in the first half of the game. They it was a game where the Eagles had you know you mentioned the two red zone turnovers. You also had two fourth and longs that the Eagles went for, which was a total sign of disrespect to the Saints offense that they failed. So in a game like that, for them to score 39 points, I think this is easily the darkest day of the Sean Payton era, and it's not even close. Well, I mean, there was also a little scandal that happened a couple of years ago, but from an on-field perspective... From an on-field perspective, I think this is worse because, to me, it's over. And the reasons it's over, not, not what happened in the game, from what happened on ESPN before the game, that we get a report that the Dolphins are interested in Sean Payton and other teams could be interested in Sean Payton, and they throw in the article... Uh, it's unclear if Peyton or the Saints would be open to such a move because he has two years left on his contract. You know, I'm calling BS on that. It's open if it's that's coming from Sean Payton. Well, that to me is a for sale sign on Sean Payton's house. He is saying, "I want out of here." And of course, they're going to hide behind sources and reports and whatever. But if, but I'm reading that and I'm thinking Sean Payton would love to coach the Dolphins, well, and it makes a lot of sense. And anyone that wants to take him should look at what Sean Payton's been when Drew Brees is not Drew Brees. Mm. Mm -hmm. well, that's, part of, that's part of his success. That's a, that's a depressing, and I, it's a, and I, I, and I wouldn't say I'm disappointed. Maybe it's his, you know, it's his agent. It might not be Sean Payton himself that's doing this, but I think it's a disappointing thing for Saints fans to see. I think on the flip side, you know, that big takeaway from the Saints, but I don't think you take anything away from this game if you're the Eagles. 
Hmm. I don't think you can. The Saints are that bad. And the Eagles yeah. scored on their last seven drives after having 300 yards in the first half. I just don't think you can measure yourself against the Saints. That's Colleen looks I don't pained. buy it. No, I don't I don't buy it. Really? That the Eagles are selling at this point still. Just he, because they looked so bad. Well, they were 1-3 two years ago as well. Not that that really means a whole lot. But Chip Kelly got that team into the playoffs. And I just, mm. I don't know. They, they lost this is another the team. They lost. And this is another team, though, that unlike the, like the Seahawks have a lot of new parts happening on offense and maybe it takes more than a month that said i'm with you i the chip kelly thing have a nice time with it good luck to you i'm not just <laughs> buying in all over again at this point all right one, one team we're obviously all buying in on the green bay packers it's crazy how these undefeated teams just stay undefeated most 4-0 teams in nfl history and i think we're going to have the most 5-0 teams in nfl history the the packers took care of business at home 24 24- to 10 against the St. Louis Rams. Chris Wesseling, you mentioned going into this game, maybe the Rams don't even have the best defense in this game. After watching the Packers' defense on Sunday, who's better, St. Louis or Green Bay? Packers were better going into this game, and they're much better coming out of it. Wow. I mean, the Rams made life difficult for Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers made life impossible for Nick Foles. They hit him, I think, 11 times, intercepted him four times, gave him a 1.5 QBR. Clay, Clay Matthews looks like uh, Troy, Troy Palomalo moving all over the defense, <laughs> the main flying behind him, making plays. He hit, he hit Foles four times himself. And Wes, Wes is a sucker for guys with flowing hair. It's, it goes back. To, I get it. It goes back to Fabio. Yeah, his well, just his life experience. <laughs> That's what it channels just, back. He to. just sees it, and he's no. Just, I don't generally, you know, I don't you generally go for the long hair look it, on guys. If you were forced to have a fat head in your room, would it be Clay Matthews? I would not have a fat head. No, in but if you were absolutely answer forced, the question. it would be like James Joyce or something. He does not have a fat head. James Joyce fat head. Yeah. He, he was like four foot six, I, I think, James. It would Everyone not be a football player in my bedroom, no. I don't know. I'm going to stay out of this one. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Tell, tell us more about the, the Rams or the Packers defense as the well. James Joyce fathead moving a lot of units here in October <laughs> 2015. How about you got to give the Rams defense a little credit here. The, the Packers only scored seven points on offense the first half. I guess, what, 17 the whole game because the Packers defense scored a touchdown here. The Rams had chances, four red zone trips, only one for St. Louis. Watching this, do you think it was a close game? No, no. I thought the Packers controlled the game all along. The Rams won time of possession, and they were able to do that because Todd Gurley is a superstar. I mean, he's Mm. a game changer. He is, to me, an old-school, franchise-altering kind of running back in the Earl Campbell mode, where you bring him in with your defense already set, you control the clock, and if you had anything on the offensive line or quarterback, you'd have a chance to win this game. How about Aaron Rodgers with three turnovers? I know well, everybody well, it was going to happen. At it some had point. to happen at some point. Bye-bye. Well, the two interceptions couldn't have been more unlucky for Aaron Rodgers. The first one was tipped at the line of scrimmage, That's and then point. James Laurinaitis made a diving catch for it. The second one wasn't even a catch. But since the NFL's catch rule is the worst rule in professional sports, <laughs> and, and it gets rolled inconsistently from game to game, they can't figure out what a catch is. They awarded a guy for trapping the ball against the, the ground. <laughs> I have no idea why the defense gets credit for that, but Calvin Johnson and Des Bryant have to like do <laughs> Chinese arithmetic before they can catch it. Well, it doesn't matter when Nick Foles has a QBR that's seventy-eight and a half points lower than Josh McCown's. <laughs> oh, wow. I know because they—I saw them. They were in the red zone at one point, and Foles got picked off. Right? And yes. That, that, at that point, they had a chance to to make it a game. Like they were somewhat in this game. 
But to have four four interceptions, to average 4.7 yards per attempt, their passing game, you don't know what's going to show up week to week. Clay Matthews called this uh, the best defense he's been on since he's been in Green Bay. And I it agree. looks like it. They bring a lot of pass rushers, and their young secondary is really good. Was not expecting that. I mean, the Packers' defense in the Super Bowl season took a while to get going, and then they were really on a roll. But the, it, there hasn't really been many great Packers defenses. Not in the McCarthy era. No. I mean, because they're, these last two weeks, and granted they're playing two offensively challenged teams, they haven't had great offensive performances. They've scored 41 points, and some of that's from the defense. And Gurley's 159 yards. Mm-hmm. Packers play good run defense today. Gurley's just that good. Did that come mostly at the end then? I mean, what Yeah, 150-something yard run, in, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Second week in a row, he's had a 50-plus yard run. He's that he kind of moves like no other bat. He's got a gallop like Adrian Peterson. Mm. I mean, he just moves different. Green Bay has now officially clinched the NFC North. <laughs> no, I just made that up. Uh, Patriots are one of those teams, like the Packers, that just keep rolling along. And we're going to roll on to their game next. The Cowboys' defense... Played very well in the first half, and they sacked Tom Brady five times. And yet, when you look up at the scoreboard at the end of the game, they called a basically perfect defensive game plan, and they still lose 30-6. to New England now 4-0. They're the last of those 4-0 teams. More of the same from them. And really, it, it's kind of I watching this game, I'm thinking, what, what do you need to do to beat the Patriots? Like, what do you think the game – what do you think the – I'd have to like get a group of cars, kidnap Tom Brady, Tim, Tom Brady's entire family, and maybe Edelman and his family as well, and just get them out of town, and then go go with your backups. That's your only shot against New England. I think play the Cardinals. That's what you need to do. Oh uh, well. Do so you think the Cardinals I, I think are the best team? I do. I mean, we, honestly, though, the New England until someone goes and takes care of business, I think it's fair to call New England just as much of the best team as Arizona at this point. Well, you asked me my opinion. I told you I think the Cardinals well, could beat them. I, would, I think the Patriots have a weakness in their secondary, and the Cardinals don't. What Not about today? They didn't. Dion Lewis today. This guy, I, I mean, I saw him with the Eagles, and I never saw him in the game do anything like that. <laughs> the way that he made people miss today, and the production that he had. God, it makes me question the Eagles, but it just makes the Patriots so much stronger, the fact that they have him and he can do these things. 93 total yards on 14 touches doesn't really explain what he did today because right. he must have had nine broken tackles. And That's what he's doing every week. I mean, it's he is one of the best I've practically ever seen at just making people <laughs> miss, with, which he's got a couple of feet in front he's, of him. He, it's, un, it's uncanny how well, well Deion Lewis is playing. He's in the perfect offense because – Brady's basically running a spread offense. Right. And he's doing short passes. You know, every once in a while they stick Lewis on the outside against a Nigel Bradham who has no prayer of keeping up with him. But he's in the perfect spread offense for him. I mean, this is, and this is, it'll brand him a fell a year ago. It's like they keep taking players that have not thrived elsewhere, plug them in, and they become core contributors to playoff Super Bowl teams. Well, they have a triplets. And Brady, who was sacked, like I said, five times in the first half, the Cowboys defense looked completely different with Greg Hardy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we all probably wish Greg Hardy, like we all would be fine if Greg Hardy never played in the NFL. I would, I'm actively rooting for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we're all rooting against Greg Hardy. And yet when you watch him play and you just analyze what happened on the field today, I was thinking, you know, this could be the best 
on-field free agent signing of the offseason if he plays like this. He had five quarterback hits today, a couple sacks, a couple tackles for loss. It was one of the better defensive performances I would say I've seen this year from, from just about anyone. So he returns, Rolando McLean returns, and has a great first game. They, they really played well in the first half, and then it kind of fell apart for them. And Sean Lee was back on the field. So if you're a Cowboys fan, you, you saw some things to like about. And yet, despite all that, I mean, Brady's 20 for 27. He averages more than 10 yards per attempt, and they, they basically just find a way to get the job done because that's what they do. How can I trust QBR as a stat when Brandon Whedon hit a higher QBR in this game than Tom Brady did? Wow. That's that, absurd. That Fair is a point. problem. That's a big problem. That's wildly absurd. I think part of it is there was a lot of run after the catch for the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots, to be fair to Brady, I mean, he had a lot of help today. But isn't he's, that he's what got their Julian, is? Yeah he's, got Julian, the yeah, he's got Julian Edelman making people miss on a long touchdown. He's got Gronk. He's got Deion Lewis. He had a good running game today. with. What did Edelman Mark. do to Mo Claiborne? Oh, my gosh. He broke his, <laughs> he broke his ankles. I mean, he, he shook him so bad at the start of a play, Claiborne just went down on the ground in a heap. He looked like a shot horse. It was just over. And that, that wasn't even the play I was talking about. I was talking about the 69-yard touchdown. Uh, and I don't think that was Claiborne, but he made one Cowboy just miss badly in the open field. I, I said it a couple of years ago, and you didn't want to hear it, but Edelman's a better player than Wes Welker was. He's a better, he's a better overall player Whoa, than Whoa, in his Wes prime? Welker. I would say... Julian Edelman can do more things. Well, his peak is better than Wes Welker. I'm not saying he's going to have a better I career. I don't know if I agree with that. One thing is true. I mean, they found, they, they had Welker. They, they got rid of Welker at the right time. They bring in someone, and they had already had him in the system that simply does what Welker does just as good or, as, or, as, or as more at this point. I mean, it's, that's what the New England does. Other players would lose someone and then spend the next 10 years looking for that fill-in. That's, New England just does it over and over. That's so true. We have to bring up, though, too, the Cowboys' offensive line. That's yes. all we heard about. Everybody chirping about Greatest the offensive in history. line. It's so great. <laughs> da 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 da. Like, <laughs> Marco Murray gone. Doesn't Quality matter. Plug somebody else in. Uh, this line does not look as good as it was sold to us the entire offseason. And as you wrote in your write up, Greg, um, the offense in general, they went without a first down for 25 minutes of the game at one point, the offense. And, and that was at a time when the Cowboys' defense was playing great. They're, they had six straight three and outs at one point. And, that, and that's why I'm giving the Cowboys' defense a lot of credit here because their offense put them in such a bad spot. Yeah. And even though the Whedon stats are bad and the overall Cowboys stats are bad, they're very misleading because the game was wildly over before they did anything. And a lot of that... I think was Whedon is that they just trusted they could handle the Cowboys receivers on the outside and they loaded up the box. But with that said, they had a ton of penetration on the offensive line, a lot of tackles for loss, uh, getting to Whedon very quickly. You know, Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, and your boy Mark Sessler, Jabal Sheard, had a big day today. I well, we talked about that signing when it happened. That I thought that Sheard, who played well in multiple systems in Cleveland, was going to be a great fit for New England. And secondly. Part of the thing with the offensive line, when you replace, you know, Tony Romo with Brandon Whedon, Brandon Whedon made Cleveland's offensive line look bad when they had Jordan Cameron and Josh Gordon as the number one receiver in the league. So it's just not, he's not, he's not able to do this. Their schedule coming up, Giants, Seahawks, Eagles, Bucks, and Dolphins, they've got to come out of this in a still bad division He's got to win some games. Or well, he, he might not be. He might not get a they chance. Might bench him. I think they're going into the bye week now, and I think they'll strongly consider Castle. 
I don't know if that's going to help matters or, What's the or not. You, you but, know how much I've ripped on Castle over the years. He's yes. a much better quarterback than Thank Brandon Weeden. Thank you. I didn't want to have to say Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not sure I trust any Castle narratives at this point. That's true. That's also, just how bad Brandon Weeden is. Bill Callahan, I think, leaving. It, it, that, that hurt them. That's a huge thing with the offensive line as well. So their offensive line is struggling. The Broncos' offensive line has been struggling throughout the season, and yet it doesn't seem to matter. The Broncos get another win. They're at 5-0, 16-10 over the Raiders. Chris Wesseling, is this just the new normal for the Broncos, winning ugly but doing it almost the same way every single week? I think it has to be because the defense is making up for an offense that is one of the worst in the league, and that's not hyperbole. They were ranked 30th. That's hyperbole. They were ranked 30th going into this game by football outsiders on offense. Mm. Peyton Manning did not have any touchdown drives again. This also happened in week one. 2003 is the last time a Peyton Manning-led team did not have a touchdown. So far in two games this year, he has only the defense to thank for keeping that streak alive. There, there has to be part of Peyton Manning that's thinking, why couldn't I, I – this is great, I have this defense, you know, keeping me undefeated and taking the pressure off, but wouldn't it have been cool to have this defense for one of my dominant offensive teams at some point? Because we would have crushed everyone and won the Super Bowl. I don't think it's fair to say that they are the 30th best offense because what did they say all offseason we're going to do well? We're going to run the ball. You know, it's, Peyton doesn't need to throw all over the place because we're going to surround him with a strong mm. running game. Anderson, 22 yards. Hillman, 21 yards. I feel like that's the box score every week minus Hillman's one big play from a couple weeks ago. So you say it's not fair. Are you saying they're actually 32nd in offense? Well, no, I'm saying that's it, to say that it's crazy that they're 30th. Yeah, it's I mean, not they crazy. are. They're, they're a bad offense. It's Who would you crazy. rather have, Peyton Manning or Derek Carr? Derek Carr. Wow. How about really? Peyton Manning or Sam Bradford? Oh. Any of Peyton them, Manning. because they're not, they're not turning 40 so. in a year. You would, all right, so there's just there's only so much. I think there's only so much you can do on offense with Peyton Manning right now. Mm. Because he's, he's scared to get hit, it looks like to me, and he can't move. And he really can't make a – he can make some of the throws, but then there's five or six throws a game where you never see anybody throw uglier passes. In the turn and it's like, what's starting? happening? Charles right. Woodson was very happy to see him today. I'm sure he I was. Mean, a couple interceptions for the first time in his career. And Peyton Manning, he just continues that streak of multiple interceptions. I think it's been four straight games now. Wow. And, you know, again, wow. could be three or four interceptions, not two. Well, you mentioned Charles Woodson, Colleen, and Charles Woodson was a guest this week. He on, was. On the Around the NFL television show, hosted, of course, by Andrew Siciliano. That is on... Every day, Monday through Friday, Mondays, 6 p.m., okay. Thursdays, 2 p.m. Eastern. And that's a three-hour show on Thursday. And when Andrew talked to Charles Woodson, you know, he, he said it was, it was a big life career goal to get his hands on Peyton Manning's balls. That's what. That's the way Charles Woodson put it, and he did it twice. <laughs> Are we happy for him? Rosenthal goes sophomoric on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday to him. I'm quoting. That was literally the quote. Week? Yeah. He did get his hands on it. He did. In the, in the second interception that Woodson made was, was incredible. I do want to make a serious point that it, it's insane how well Charles Woodson is playing right now. He's leading the league in interceptions. Oldest. He's 39. Oldest player in history with multiple interceptions in a game. He's got I'm just him. stunned by your consecutive string of like A minus plugs here. You keep nailing the plug. Oh, A minus. Oh, okay. Well, what a do minus? I got to do to bump that? That's true. That's true. It's I pretty good. Mm. I was 91 like, on a math test. More likely to be playing at our funerals Charles Woodson or Keith Richards? 
<laughs> I mean, I Woodson. tweeted. I tweeted. I said Charles Woodson's going to be playing after we're all dead and gone. He the, moves up the all-time interception list too. He's about seventh now. That that's true. I think he passed. Who was it? He, he's up to Ed Reed. He's up to Ed yeah. Reed. He's past Ronnie Lott and Darren Sharp. He's p- passing Ronnie Lott. I mean, when he was making that Super Bowl one run with the Packers, it was almost like a interesting first time anyone asked this question. Wow, is Charles Woodson a Hall of Famer? And now it, it just seems he's got obvi- to be obvious that that he's a Hall yeah. of Famer. Uh, give us a little bit on on the Cal- on the Raiders here and their offense's inability to score more than ten points. Or is it is it all just give credit to the Denver defense? What is it? Well, they move the ball, and then you have Sebastian Janikowski missed the field goal, had another one blocked because it was too low. So there's six points right there. Then you've got the pick six. So they were driving then. They they were driving quite a bit. And then Von Miller strip sack, which was, you know, a clown suit play. Austin <laughs> Howard missed the block, and Von Miller just came up and took the ball right away from Derek Carr, set the Broncos up. So there were a lot of drives where they just, you know, they could move the ball, but they didn't end well for the Raiders. We yeah. need we need a sponsor for clown suit play of the week. Are there any <laughs> what, clown, like a clown suit manufacturers? <laughs> like a clown college? I got a clown guy. <laughs> I don't know. So Derek Carr was sacked four times, and the Oakland offensive line had only allowed three sacks all season. I guess that's what happens. So when you run into the Denver defense, they're that dominant. And, and we should week. we should mention that Demarcus Ware left with a back injury, mm-hmm. injury and did mm. not return. That it's, could be a big injury. It's uncanny, though, that, that they make that big play every single week. And, and this week it was the, the touchdown, right, yep. return. And at that point in the game, the Raiders still had a chance. I do have to call a flag on Bill Musgrave and Derek Carr for not changing the play call late in the game. They need a touchdown. It's fourth and 19. Literally, they need a touchdown to stay in the game. And they threw a screen pass. To it. I think it was on fourth and nineteen. Yes. Do you remember that? I mean, I don't remember that. The game. Well, the they game didn't was managed the game well at the end. The, of game, the game was still in doubt, and it was like they didn't know what the down was. So they they went for it on fourth and nineteen because you have to to score a touchdown. And they threw they threw a two or three yard pass that gained one yard. Was it Greg Roy Hallou? The ugly. strangest thing I've ever seen. Greg was going to find a way to get his angst towards Bill Musgrave out in one of these <laughs> podcasts because we've heard this before, hints of it, and it's in full bloom now. Well, Musgrave should be happy because. Look at what Spags is doing with the Giants' defense after Greg took him to town. Mm. So uh, tough loss there for the Raiders. They're now two and three. The Broncos in you know full control of that division, and it's going to be a fun race for the buys in the AFC because a lot of undefeated teams there. Uh, it was a tough loss for them. I think an even tougher loss for the Kansas City Chiefs today against the Bears. They find a way to lose a big lead at home. They. Fall 18-17 to Chicago. And the Chiefs, we now know, could be without Jamal Charles for the rest of the season. Andy Reid indicated that he, you know, initial reports say it's a torn ACL. An MRI will confirm that on Monday. Could this have gone any worse, Colleen, uh, for the Chiefs? No, not at all. You look at their record, and now that they don't have Jamal Charles, when he left the game, they couldn't move the offense Mm. at all. And that's the biggest problem with Alex Smith. He needs the run game. He has Jeremy Macklin there now, but without uh, anybody to run the ball, I don't know how they're going to do anything. I mean, Andy Reid, after the game, now that they're 1-4, and four, he was asked just general thoughts, and he said, we're moving on to Minnesota. That's what we're focusing on oh, now. Oh, that's what everyone You're one says. You're 1-4. Jamal Charles is not in your offense anymore. How are you going to do anything? You, feel, you sound like someone that has a little... You know, PT, 
RD, you know, post-traumatic <laughs> read disorder. Yeah. You know, that you've seen some of those, mm. too many of those well, press conferences. And because the other thing with him that would be so frustrating is you have Jamal Charles and he wouldn't run the ball. He wouldn't run the ball. And mm. now you don't have him anymore and I don't know what they're going to do. In Kansas City, they got beat by Jay Cutler. That's all you really need. I mean, to and Charles was a part of their passing game, too. I, I, they're in big trouble, and, and where they're heading is they're going to get forked this week. Well, that's, oh, yeah. that's for sure. We I mean, it's over for the Chiefs. Yeah, it, it's over for the Chiefs. And it's maybe maybe this is a, a piece one of us should write this week or something. It's, it's these mid-level quarterback contracts, the franchise quarterback that's not quite worth $18 million a year, but they are worth $15 million. That's killing these teams now. Alex Smith, Ryan Tannehill, Kaepernick. Stafford's got all the money, but he's a problem, too. It's that been was, a bad uh, year for mid-level franchise quarterbacks. Uh, Thank you, Greg. That was going to lead my what we learned tonight. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, I just gave you the idea. I had, I had something like that mm. going around in my head. But I really well, put it in you a... You did. You put it all together. In a me. digestible way that people could understand. You did. You guys work so well together. It is like impressive. hand and glove. You know who I wouldn't put on that list, though? Jay Cutler. I mean, you got to give Jay Cutler some credit. They the would cut him tomorrow if they could. Come the on, Bears Brett. are scrappy. Here's a quote from uh, Matt Slauson, who that's his real name. He's a guard. Not Matt Clausen. Uh, Jay is the definition of resiliency. That's mm. his quote after this game. Well, I love how, like, spicy. every few games you'll have a wandering bear supporting Jay Cutler, and then in the offseason you hear nothing. You got to give some credit <laughs> that they won a game. And I know it was, you know, Jay Culler didn't have the greatest game ever necessarily, Colleen. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of miscues. There was uh, a botched snap at one point that he almost fumbled, and he did manage to throw a touchdown out of it. But it was just a sloppy Both Jay of these quarterbacks were in the Gabbard zone. Well, they, they also found a way to win a game. The Chiefs found a way to blow a game where they had a touchdown on defense from a Jay Cutler fumble. I was going to give him yeah. some credit. His leading wide receivers in this game are Marques Wilson, Cameron Meredith, and Josh Bellamy. Those are his top three wideouts. All of a sudden, Jeffrey, no Eddie Royal. You know, give Jay a little bit. I have to go to Roto World and find out who Cameron Meredith is. I've never heard of him. He, he was doing something last week, and I was like, who is that guy? <laughs> who is Meredith? Undrafted out of Illinois State. They just picked him out of their backyard. Matt Forte deserves really all the love. Yeah, I mean, he had a good game. He had 20-some touches and over 100 yards. I'm just saying. All good the job. love. All the love. I'm just, all of my He's carrying love. this team. The Bears, we called, We thought they were the worst team in the league. They've won, two games. They've won two games in a row. Chiefs well, you're have right. to be in that mix for the worst team in the league. Well, right? look, there's a reason yeah. why we never believe in the Chiefs. When your best player is Jamal Charles and you know that if he goes down, they're done because you don't have a good quarterback. T- TD, you know, you know, Puts little thoughts into my ear every now and then or tells me what game is coming to next. Also, when we're outside of the studio. TD, but yeah. yeah, But since, you know, you want to dig, you want to get a dig in here somewhere. So let's just have you voice it instead of me, you know, doing it for you. I mean, your boy, uh, Dave Damashek, has has the Chiefs as his Super Bowl pick. So, you know. (laughs) He does that every year. (laughs) Pointing that out. Like he, does he have them over the Texans in the AFC Championship game? He does. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, this is the guy who had Jay Cutler for MVP, MVP last year. Last year. That's, uh... Well, he had the Bengals recently, and he was a year, maybe a year or two early on that. <laughs> so the Sheck kiss of death. The Sheck Chiefs, loves the Chiefs. The Chiefs are done at one and four. The Bears deserve a little credit for being feisty. Well, they don't deserve three. a lot of credit. I think we've said enough. Okay. Let's move on to another <laughs> game that we're not going to talk that much about, probably. The Bucks. 
and the Jaguars. But at least Chris Wesley, this was a little more entertaining, a little more filled with offense. Some young quarterbacks, and the Bucks get their second win of the year, 38-31 to 31 over the Jaguars. Well, look, this game was sneaky exciting. Mm. Doug Martin ran about as well as anybody's run all year today. He looked, from start to finish, he looked like a complete, impressive, dynamic running back. Just took over the game, and maybe that had to do with the Jaguars' leading tackle. Tackler Paul Puzlesny was out, so they were a Swiss cheese defense today, but Martin looked great, and they've got this dude named Howard Jones <laughs> that they signed. He, he's Howie! Made, they signed him off the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad, gave him the highest contract of anybody on a practice squad, active for the first time today, and he's flying around the field. Mm. Two sacks, no one else to blame. That's why they call him the scientist, Colleen, by the way, because he's got all the lowdown. Well, I think Howard Jones. Howard Jones is like an, a mid-80s pop Sim singer. pop guy, yeah. Had a, like a sixth-grade girlfriend. Right, if you were, like, we had a song were writing a headline for the Bucks on defense, it, you would say things can only get better. It's like, the, it's like if you don't have enough money to, for a Howard Johnson, you know, they have the Howard Jones down the street. Lights are on. Trampling all over oh, our Howard Jones music talk. That's Can all we I got. talk about yes. Blake Bortles for a second? I mean, his last two games put him together, and I think we're seeing some progress from this guy. He looked good today, and, you know, you've got Julius Thomas coming back. He was worked in slowly. He didn't start, and it seemed like he was playing on third downs initially. But you've got all the, you know, Julius Thomas, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns is coming on. The Albino Tiger might come back at some point, Marquise Lee. They've got some weapons on this offense. Yeah, and also, I mean, you have to be happy for Lovey Smith because he gets his first home win ever with the Bucks. Wow. Yes. I didn't realize that. That is crazy. <laughs> I know. That's depressing. How does that man have a job? I, I know. So that happened. They were 0-10. That's crazy. But, okay. yeah, the, um, the one thing, though, I thought the, the Bucks um, defensive front did look a little bit better than the Jags. Uh, you look at those two offensive lines, not the best in the league. Yeah, because Bortles outplayed Winston. Bortles played really well for the second straight week. Mm. I think there's some real tangible improvement. Well, you- Here's the problem, though, in Jacksonville. Because, yeah, we just took you know, Lovey Smith to town for not winning more than one game at home. If you're the Jaguars, you're still you're one and four. At some point, this coaching staff that we have just given a huge leash to has to start winning these games. This was a game they had to win, I think this and is- they're not doing it. I think this is one of the – well, I mean – it's only been a season and a half, but this is a really tough loss for the Gus Bradley regime. I think yeah. to get that kind of performance from from Blake Bortles, where he's four touchdowns, 9.2 yards per attempt, 31 points, you finally get an offensive performance, and then your defense, what this team is usually supposed to be about, to give up 38 points to Doug Martin in Jameis Winston, and you're not even the best team in the lousy state of Florida. You're one and four. You, it's hard to see progress there. Right. They got ran over 183 yards on the ground, mm-hmm. given up. I mean, I really this is think not if, Seattle light. I really think if Bortles develops into the guy you think is the face of the franchise, the coaching staff will be fine. I guess you don't want to. You don't want to bring in a new coach when Bortles is playing well and finally looks like a. Well, a good a young quarterback can extend your coaching career for a long, long I mean, time. The same is true for Lovey. I mean, he's already matched last season's win total. Yeah, I would have never guessed that a game with Winston and Bortles would have over ten yards per attempt between the two of them. That's true. Or wow. sixty-nine points out there throwing bombs. Jaguars got to get some wins before they go to London. I feel like. I mean, you're going to be covering them there soon. I guess they only have one more game before they go. Yeah, a win. How about a win? Add a, add a little sizzle. You're going to be covering uh, what Jaguars Bills is the game. You're going to be entrenched. 
uh, with the Bills because you and Rex have such a lovely relationship. Well, I'm open to seeing my mind changed. <laughs> All right, let's talk about those Rex-led Bills. They find a way to get a victory in Tennessee. It was 14 to 13, maybe not uh, the prettiest mm. game in the world, but the Bills were down, feeling like it could be a little bit of a low point in their season, and they do come back to win the game, Colleen. Yeah, and the Bills, they were without Sammy Watkins, LaShawn McCoy, Carlos Williams. They had really no offensive weapons. And Tyrod Taylor, he did a lot. He rushed for over 70 yards in this game, and he even caught a pass from Whoa. Chris Hogan. Whoa! Set up a touchdown. 7-11! Yeah, so, um, and they and they even got some production out of Dan Heron, who they signed this week. So he was the other uh, leading rusher behind Tyrod Taylor. So this this win, uh, they barely edged the Titans, but it, it wasn't pretty. They did it, though. They have got nothing through the air without Watkinson there. They, there's just not a single I, receiver that stood out to It them. was one of the more stunning score lines I saw today when it was 3 nothing at halftime. I, I was shocked that the Titans' defense, which has not been good this year. I know the Bills were missing a lot of people, so maybe I shouldn't. But I like Tyrod Taylor. The more I watch him, the more I like him in general. And I, I thought he would find a way. And he did. I mean, he, he runs for 76 yards. The next leading rusher on the team had 28 yards. Who would you rather have? So they had have no running, running game and Chris Hogan as their number one receiver. And they won a game, so they deserve some. Who hurt. would you rather have running your defense, Rex Ryan or Dick LeBeau? Oh, Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan. It's not even close. Why I think is it not even close? Because Dick LeBeau's 80 years old or whatever. He basically just got fired by the That's team ageism. that loved him. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, how could it? it I it, like Dick LeBeau a lot. I mean, I think he's That's one reason that they've changed. They've changed a little bit this. The year. wild eyes are coming out at me for the ages. Maybe he'll take you to bingo with him. Oh well, wow! I think it's fair to say people reach <laughs> professional peaks. And In I'm, general, I'm asking then. Maybe not this month, this week. But of the two defensive minds, you believe more in Rex Ryan than Dick LeBeau? I would disagree. I if think you Dick said LeBeau, LeBeau at his peak, at their prime, Rex at yeah. his peak, yeah. that's that's different. I still would take Rex maybe. Rex Ryan has a lot of bad games on his resume on defense. Connor Orr, who wrote up this game, gave a lot of credit to the fact that even even though um, you know they were trailing much of the game, that the defense, the attitude, big hits at the end of the game when the Titans had a chance to go try to drive for a field goal. Ultimately, it's this is. I was thinking when it was three nothing. This is like, well, this is what Rex wants. This is the team that he wants. Three nothing games. That's like his dream. Very defensive minded teams. Yeah. Big big win, though, for the Bills. And it also makes me think the AFC South is is getting close to being almost over. As bad as... I mean, the Colts are probably going to lose this week to the, <laughs> right. to the Patriots. But just the rest of the AFC South, other than the Colts, uh, really struggling to find a win. The Bills get to 3-2. and two. And now let's move on to our, our last game before the Sunday night game, the Cleveland Browns. Mark Sessler, 33-30. to 30. You desperately wanted to cover this game. First time you covered a Browns game all season in the office. I see that as a sign that you're back on board. Do the Browns, Mark Sessler, finally have a quarterback in Josh McCown? Well, it's depressing because he's like 43 years old, but he has played lights <laughs> out in back-to-back it's games. ageism, Mark. That's, well, you're, that's fair. <laughs> cool. That's Whoa. fair. But it's, I mean, first quarterback in the history of, no, listen, it's not been a good 20 years, but there's a lot of good Browns teams over their history. First quarterback in Browns history for back-to-back-to-back 300-yard games, threw for 457 yards today, which set a franchise record. And this is for a team that, rightly so, we question if they were the worst 
skill position, collection of skill position players in the entire league before the season. And instead, they're averaging like 27 points a game. It's all coming through the air because they can't run the ball, which is what they sold us as their method for victories. And their mm. defense is atrocious. So everything that the organization said, this is what we're all about. We're bread and butter. We're tough. We're going to win games 10 to 7. You are winning games 33 to 30 in overtime. Well, you know I don't who, know what's happening. You know who uh, is uh, in, in a sneaky running maybe for that coordinator of the year job? Your boy, the offensive coordinator in Cleveland. I mean, I know they lose Kyle Shanahan, but your boy is doing pretty well. Except, though, Deep the Filippo. loss of Shanahan has revealed that the Browns line is nothing like it was a year ago. That just shifting saying, away from what they did last year has completely reduced their running game to salt. When you so bring I'm a concerned. when you bring in a first time offensive coordinator that hasn't been with the organization, I think that's always a big risk. I think the Lions are seen with Joe Lombardi, uh, you know, the downside of that risk. Really, yeah. an offense that doesn't fit them. They bring in De Filippo, and he's Josh McCown. It looks fantastic. We were a little, week. we were a year premature on making the leap. Oh please! <laughs> oh, wow. Wes, by the way. Uh, you gave up on Josh McCown. Uh, that's true. Two weeks ago, and yep. he he's put together his two he's, best games by far since he's been in Chicago. Because he there was nothing sneaky about last week. I thought maybe maybe it's garbage time, maybe it's this or that. But he was fantastic last yep. week, and that, sounds like that, he was a game. And that is DeFilippo because they he's he one thing that changed with that organization is that they got on the quarterbacks this offseason. And honestly, McCown is a massive upgrade over Brian Hoyer mm. a year ago. Gary Barnage or Rob Gunkowski. <laughs> Hey, the week. you joke around, but I, Barnage has been hanging out on my Dynasty roster forever. I've always loved him. <laughs> Why? He looked like a because stud he's, today. He's a better athlete yeah. than you think, and he's got great hands. I always wonder why he wasn't used more in his but offense. For years, because he, he's been, it was Rob Chudzinski that brought him to Cleveland from Carolina, and he was never used much. They had Jordan Cameron, so he wasn't going to play that role. But he didn't have a drop for years. Like it was, it was just. He's not some to, Jim Dre who can't move that well. Right. He's a good athlete for a tight end. Yeah, and I don't know what you do at this point with Johnny Manziel because Josh McCown is mm. really. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean he's, you wait till they lose he's about three. Making something out of game. nothing. If they yeah. lose, if they fall three games under 500 at any point, even if Josh McCown's playing well, I mean, unless he's playing this well, uh, I think you, you still make a change. But who knows? The Browns are two and three. Well, you, their you schedule, know. their upcoming schedule is an absolute disaster. I think it's the Broncos, the Rams, the Cardinals are in there, and then you get the Bengals and Steelers. Ooh, Colleen, That's as, absolutely awful. Murders row. as what, what would your official title be on NFL uh, Sunday Blitz? Um, that's a great question. I don't know. Because I was going to say as the out. host, but you're not they the host. Titles on you you kind of jump in and you talk. So, but when you're over there, can uh-huh. you tell the difference on a day where Mark Sessler comes over to the couch after a Browns win and a Browns loss, like what? Is, what is the difference? Like your interaction with him, his with the rest of the guys, everything like that. Well, it's None. only happened two times, so right, okay. it's a it's a small <laughs> sample size to deal with. Um, but wait a minute, the Ravens. Let's yeah. hold on a second. Good exit out of that. No, we, <laughs> we, we tend to do that on the show. We only talk Browns during Browns game. That's a good point. The Ravens are one in four right now, and they're lucky to be one in four because the game against Pittsburgh, they should have lost. They should be winless right now with the Lions. And they Joe Flacco has nobody to throw to. He has Kamar Aiken. He has Chris Gibbons. He has who else is Kyle Uzcheck? Marlon yes. Brown. It, it's a it's a mashup of bad receivers and pff, they are in a lot of trouble. You've been yeah, forked. Their, you've been killing their defense. Yeah, they're forked. They well, I'm not killing their defense. Everyone that's played them has killed their defense. <laughs> because when you go and give up 505 yards to the Browns, this year's Browns, 
you don't have a whole lot of excuses left. And it's, it's not, this is not an aberration. Every week they're getting fried. Justin Forsett, though, did have a good game, 121 yards, but that's right. against the Cleveland run defense. Which is a shockingly yeah. terrible group of run stoppers. Like, they have no one that can contain the edge. Just run around the tackle, and you're going to be fine. Yeah, Trestman 20, has 20, 30 yards day. at a time. You know, you watch long enough, and even if the coaches remain the same, team personalities, like, they eventually go away. Like, the Steelers are now a bombs-away passing attack, and the Ravens are one of the most lifeless defenses in the entire league. Could have used Pernell McPhee, I think, for oh, yeah. this that's, season. That's a great point. All right. A lot of great points happened today. Most of them by Colleen Wolf. Mm. Colleen. Majority. We're, we're going to say. That's too kind. We're going to, you know, most. Yeah, I would say like 85%. <laughs> Mark had a few. Wes, not his best day. Wait a minute. Um, you guys. <laughs> uh, Colleen, you know, thanks again. You can, yeah. You can see you on uh, NFL Now all week. Mm-hmm. Of course, on Sundays, we know where to find I'm you. I'm doing Fantasy Live now. Ooh, that's you right. are. Yeah, on what? Days, yeah. yeah. Nice. And I didn't tell anybody because I wasn't sure if it was real. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to jinx it's, it. That is real. I yeah. mean, when you Over when it. you have the chance um, to be to work with Michael Fabiano, you just got Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Famer. You just got to cross true. those he fingers, not jinx anything. So that's great. We'll watch you there, and of course, we'll see you every Sunday night here. Every Sunday, you're a mainstay as part of the show. Colleen, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. All right, we move on to the big Sunday night game. You know, earlier in the show, you know, I kind of, I mocked this game. The matchup that wasn't getting me excited. But you know what? It turned out to be a great game. Giants win it 30-27 on a last-minute Eli Manning toss to Larry Donnell. Was it the play of the day, Mark Sessler? Well, it's the, it's the last play of the day. So, yes, it is. That's how <laughs> things work. And, and, and really, for me... It was another lesson with Odell Beckham because out for much of the second half with a hamstring injury, just putting him on the field Mm. at the end forced the 49ers to account for him. He had a huge P.I. call that helped the Giants get down the field. And then the touchdown at the end, I don't think it would have happened without him on the field. TD and I had a big debate. Like right before that pass interference call, right before he came on the field, TD said, you can't mess with a hamstring. Don't put him back in the game. I said, you play to win the game. TD. It's a tight game. What good is he in three or four weeks if you lose three or four games? Get him on the field, win TD the game. TD getting called out full force. What do you think about your coaching acumen getting questioned right here, TD? Cause... Hey, I'm thinking about o- o- Odell Beckham's career because West, like me, thinks he can be one of the greatest to ever do it. A hamstring, if you mess that up, that is something that it won't be three to four weeks. It could be a whole season. So, again, if it was an ankle, for sure, a hammy, I'll be a little bit more careful with that. Well, he was running on the sideline, and, and you're right. It, it's typical of how Odell Beckham – outshines the rest of this group that Larry Donnell makes an unbelievable catch and we're giving a great throw too great right throw. on his helmet great throw by Eli Manning uh, a great drive which was really keyed by some Shane Vereen catches especially the the one that got them into the red zone it's like I agree with Chris Collinsworth you can't let Shane Vereen beat you all the way down the field you know that's exactly what Eli Manning wants to do uh, they they got the ball back of course down four knowing they needed uh, the touchdown and that throw to, to Donnell is great, but Larry Donnell, who drops some easy catches, makes a leaping catch on his fingertips over Navarro Bowman. Antoine Bethea is coming over. I mean, that was not an easy play at all. It was basically in the double coverage. You know what that is? It's a first-place play. Mm. Puts the Giants in first place. Wow. They would have been tied. Everybody would have been tied with the same record if not for that play. So the Giants are now one game up. And all this division takes is one team – doing this more than every other week because it seems like we're going to get an 8-8 eight eight winner to this division potentially, but 
This was it. If you're San Francisco, though, it is tough. This is a tough loss because, you know, I don't know where the other wins are going to come. You gave up 525 yards and to Eli Manning, 441 through the air. Every week, it's a new disaster for this defense. Well, on, on the road, they're a different team on the road. You give Eli Manning the franchise record for most completions in a game. Big Ben had one of the best games of his career against this defense. And Carson Palmer lit him up, too. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, this, this was an average day for them on the road. And it's a shame because after such depressing losses the last couple weeks and games where we started questioning the future of Colin Kaepernick and I don't think he settled those questions on Sunday night Kaepernick goes out there he throws for 262 yards especially in a couple touchdowns especially after early in the game they weren't getting anything done they moved the ball very well in the second half Uh, they have a touchdown drive when they absolutely needed it to take the lead it looked at that point like San Francisco was going to win Carlos Hyde ran the ball fairly well Anquan Bolden gets off they even you know woke up Torrey Smith he's still on the team and yet they still can't get a win because the defense collapses if it's not one thing it's the other yeah, and you really, I think you have to start questioning some people in the front office for the mm. change in direction on this team. That, you know, Trent Baalke has been a pretty good drafter, but to assume that he was the one responsible for that many dynasty they've had over the past half decade, and now they, they're one and four and they look lost. Well, that had a lot of Scott McLuhan's fingerprints all over it as well. And, and, they, and part of it is the attitude. They boldly said, We're right, you're wrong, we're going to get rid of some great coaches. Bring in, you know, 14 players are going to leave the building, but don't worry about it. We got it under control. <laughs> and there's the results. You're not a good football team anymore. Yeah, the offseason moves were one thing, and the retirements were bad luck. And even at the end of last season, it was clear that the time had run its course on Harbaugh. What, what I have a problem with is really the animosity that was building about credit before that all happened, dating back to last offseason, early last season. I mean, this was these were rumblings we heard about a while ago. And if you're a 49ers fan, you, you know, you're going to want some changes again. Yeah. And Tom Sula sweating like a madman on the sideline tonight. He needed this win, and I don't. I just thought it's a tough situation. So the Giants go to three and two. You got to give them credit after uh, some brutal losses to start the year. They have won three in a row, and they've been. Wes, we talked about it earlier in the week, just in the office. They've been the best team in the division. I mean, they've been at least consistent where you kind of know what you're going to get from the Giants. Uh, not a great defense. We don't know if they're going to win more than nine Much games. better defense than we gave them credit for. Right. But they're only that way because Tony Romo and Des Bryant are not on the field. That's yeah. the only reason that they are. That's fair. Um, so that's fair for them. I think this was a fair show. I, I miss Dan. You know, I, li- I don't like, ho- yeah, I like it when Dan's hosting. You can just kind of sit back and crack wise. Um, but uh, I think we did, you know, we did a fair job replacing him, and he's going to be back on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep taping shows. Get I like to call it back. the return of the mirth. Ooh, the return of the mirth <laughs> show. So that's coming up on Tuesday, audio only. Uh, our podcast then on Thursday. Uh, we'll also have our big preview show, of course. You can check us out on NFL Now all day on Monday. And uh, that's really it for the Week 5 podcast. TD, there you go. Set it up. All right, for Greg Rosenthal, Colleen Wolf, who did a great job today, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, all the guys in the back. We'll see you Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 